2: Episode 12 Growing Through Transformation and Change with personal trainer and Instagram sensation Alice Living. Welcome to the Alternatively Healthy podcast. I am your host, Becky Rabin, personal trainer, wellness coach, and founder of online wellness magazine Alternatively Healthy. This is your high vibe, soul soothing weekly dose of wellness. Each week, I will be getting up close and personal, bringing you conversation and insight with some of the wellness industry's most renowned health practitioners, coaches, experts and thought leaders from around the world. Through our podcast, we hope to give you all the information, resources and tools that you need to help shape the healthiest and happiest version of you. Alice is a Sunday Times best-selling author of three books, Personal Trainer and Instagram Sensation. Having catapulted into the industry while sharing her journey to become healthier, transformation has been a huge part to play in her career. I sit down with Alice to talk about how she has grown through change, dealt with challenges along the way and overcome all of this to stick to her passion to help people lead as healthy a life as possible.
3: So, hello Alice, welcome Welcome to the Alternatively Healthy podcast. I'm really excited, it feels weird because we've literally been chatting (laughs) for like half an hour already. I know, I know. This is
2: going to be a long one. I'm really excited about this one today because I think the work that you do in the industry, the wellness industry, is absolutely amazing. I've always thought that the work that you do to proving your credibility, to working hard, to your books, to being the face of so many things, I think what you stand for in the industry is absolutely amazing. And obviously your achievements show that but what I wanted to talk to you about today is something a little bit different I guess to maybe what people have focused on before because I'm really trying to channel what our audiences are going through and kind of what they want to hear from and I feel like for you a really big thing has been transformation and change throughout your career from start to even now mm-hmm. on a personal level I've seen a huge change on you mm-hmm. from girl to women in recent times but I know that you actually kind of started in this industry with the transformation. Yeah. Which is why for me, I thought at first, I was like, you know what, I would really like to talk to her about growing through change and learning to kind of overcome change, what challenges come with that. Mm -hmm. And as I dig deeper into what I was doing, I was like, oh my God, actually, your journey started with the whole transformation in Mm -hmm. itself.
3: Mm -hmm. So tell us about your story into health and that first initial transformation, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I think, there's been so many transformations along the way, but my initial one was obviously a physical one. Yeah. And actually, rightly or wrongly, I feel like that kick-started my career in terms of everything I do through social media. And I'm extremely grateful for that. So when I was in university, and actually growing up through my teens, so I had quite a tumultuous teenage experience, and as I'm sure loads of people do, and I found it really hard to find my identity. Mm. And I constantly... Chameleoned myself to whichever group that I was falling into in terms of friends. Yeah. I had an emo phase, and then I had a chav phase, and I had a phase of being ridiculously preppy and wanting to be the popular girl. And yeah, just. Along with that, went through a lot of body confidence issues and stuff. As I'm sure so many, like, I don't think my story is in any way unique. But, yeah, I went through loads of body confidence stuff where I really struggled with the way that I looked and I constantly wanted to change that. And I guess going through that, I developed quite a disordered way of eating. My mom had and suffered terribly with binge eating disorder. And sort of growing up, I was very aware of that. Mm. And I guess I then sort of fell into that pattern of eating in terms of, restricting myself quite a lot because I felt like that's what I needed to do in order to lose weight but then at the weekends just having all-out binges and secretive binges and that kind of thing and and it was a very disordered way of eating like I said And, and I guess going away to university I finally was in a place where I wasn't in the family home and I was able to have control of my food and what I was eating and during the first year that kind of led me on a path of just a lot of overeating so I was doing everything that a student should do in their first year. I was drinking loads, I was boozing hardcore yeah, yeah. and loving it. And I was eating a lot of rubbish. So everything from, like, pizzas to ice cream. And I felt like I was always the person as well that, you know, we'd finish, like, the Domino's pizza and, and I would be the one to then go to the shop and get, like, an extra bag of spoons. <laughs> just, to like, just to like Just to, like, top it off. Because I was like, I still have room, even yeah. though my friends were like, I can't move. But, yeah, so I think that went for a certain while. And, and it, you know, it was quite fun, but... I was at university doing a performance degree as a dancer and a singer and it was very aesthetically driven so I had to spend every single day in a leotard in a mirror in pink tights and I found that having eaten so badly for a year and having put on quite a lot of weight I found that a real challenge and I decided at the end of that year that if I wanted to be successful in the career that I wanted to do which was to be in musicals and to be in the theatre I needed to be a bit healthier basically and I found that my studies were were definitely being affected towards the end of that year so like cognitive function was pretty poor picking up routines in class and I was just constantly hungry because I was just eating all the wrong things So then towards the end of that year, I started following a few people online that were doing a similar thing to what I started doing. I saw people eating well and posting pictures of their meals and stuff. And then I decided that I was going to set up a private page where I would try to kind of refine my love for food And I think that's definitely what started it. I I wanted to enjoy food again. I'd lost that love for just eating well and eating good Mm. foods. And food just became fuel. And it was just kind of like in, out, done, eaten. So I, yeah, started to, to cook meals and take pictures of them and make them look really nice and try and eat foods that I knew were going to be good for me. So I did some reading online and I started having things like eggs and porridge for breakfast instead of just Cereal, and yeah, it just sort of started that way. And I guess, like you said, with the transformation photos, as a result, my physique had quite a drastic change as I started to eat better and I wasn't eating less, I was just eating very differently Mm -hmm. and And were you training at this point still? Yeah sort of so I sort of started to get into gym but even at the time then I was still a cardio bunny Like I was hardcore on the treadmill I'd clock watch the entire time wait for that 20 minutes to be up and then be like oh done, thank god for that (laughs) but yeah so I was doing that but that was it and it was only actually later on so maybe like a couple of months into the journey I guess that I discovered weight training and PT at my gym had been like oh you should try you know doing some squats and things like that and introduced me to like the basic kind of lifts so like basic squat you know some sort of a deadlift presses, pulls that kind of thing and from there that was when I fell in love with weight
0: training yeah
3: so really
2: it was for you more about the food at the beginning in your relationship with food, which is so interesting and I think what I find interesting from that is that actually your start to finish, your start there wasn't, oh, I, I want to get in good shape. It was, I want to feel good. Mm. And and you were chasing to feel good in your bikini or in your, mm. in your dancewear, but, like, not necessarily look good because the gym kind of came after. Mm. It was more about the food. Yeah. And I think that's something that generally as an industry we've kind of forgotten is that we kind of all started this to feel better Mm. I was was exactly the same I was Mm. ill and wanted to make myself feel better Mm. I needed to nourish myself Mm. rather than look good Mm. and somewhere along the lines we kind of got caught up in this look good feel and you mentioned there about like struggling with your body image all the time and Mm. it it is something that I want to touch on because body image is such a huge thing in the industry at the moment and equally so are transformations and and transformation photos Mm. but What is it about body image that you think, why do we as women struggle so much and kind of what are the struggles you really faced with? How did you get over them?
3: Yeah, so I think, you know, there's been a few mistakes that I made along the way that I feel are really pinnacle in how I now feel. Mm. I think one of them is linking the way you look physically to Mm. health. In my opinion, there's no correlation between the way you physically look and optimal health, because you can be a slim, Mm -hmm. really muscly, you know, really look physically amazing, but inside have like, you know, really poor gut health, really poor sleeping habits. You could be incredibly stressed, suffering from anxiety, all of those things. And, you know, I made the mistake of probably letting my body fat percentage go too low and thinking that that was the healthiest that I could be. And actually, you know, in hindsight and on reflection, It probably wasn't. And, you know, I'm not one to sit back and say, you know, I've never made any mistakes. I absolutely think that that was something that I was... It was just unsustainable. And, you know, because I'd come from X and ended up at Y, which was this really low body fat flex, it felt like such an achievement. And hence, I wanted to hang on to that place so badly. But then as I started to develop an understanding of, I guess, more what health is. And I think that's what really came second, was at first I wanted to feel good and I did feel good and I wanted to look good and I did look good and I felt freaking great Yeah. but then it was like is this sustainable no is it healthy and am I ticking all the books of what I think actually healthy is no so moving from there I guess I mean I don't post my transformation photos very much anymore. Not that I'm not proud of them, I am, but I just think, for me, my job online is so much more now about getting people to optimum health, which doesn't equal fat
0: loss
3: yeah, because which
2: yeah. is in, really interesting it's a that's the transformation in itself which we'll go on to because at the moment we're very much talking about your early stage but mm. like when these transformation photos came out and for you it was an overnight thing wasn't it your yeah. followers just grew and all of a sudden you were like just this woman that everyone knew about mm. and, and it was very early on in the in, mm. the in the industry and I guess we were all kind of very new to it so yeah. I guess what then happened for you what came for you with this like rise of the fame and the people knowing you because now we're obviously in a different place with what health means to you. Mm. you don't post those transformation photos, which is like something will definitely come on to you. Mm. I think it's really interesting that you don't. But how did that change, that whole change of your life? So I imagine at that moment your life changed. Mm. How did you overcome that? Like, what did you do Like, how
3: did it feel? And, yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting because it was literally overnight. I had a Daily Mail article that picked up on one of my transformation photos. And I think in a day, I got 20,000 followers. And that was, you know, at first, you're sat at your kitchen table, like, trying to take a picture on your crappy iPhone. And the next thing, you've got, like, the Daily Mail contacting you. You've got, like, loads of people emailing you, offering you X, Y, and Z, wanting to send you free stuff. And it was overwhelming. And... For me, I feel like what's kept me sane and what's kept me not letting it get to my head is the fact that, one, when it all happened, I was away on tour. So I was working in incredibly job where I was doing between eight to ten shows a week and doing a job that I love and I miss it so much but I was in a room full of girls that kept my feet on the ground so I shared a dressing room with a woman who is, I'm going to say she's 50 plus because she probably won't like me saying how exactly she is, (laughs) but she was 50 plus and another girl called Sinead who's like one of my really good friends and she's the same age as me and and, you know they became my family for the year because I was on the road for a year living out of a suitcase in a different city every week and so when things really started to take off and you know they emails started coming in it would be really exciting and I'd get an email I'd say oh guys like I've just been emailed this but they'd really keep my feet on the ground and then you know I'd get in dressed in my costume go on stage and be able to perform and forget about everything so I was able to keep a distance I didn't just sort of wake up one day with all these new followers and think oh my god I've made it do you know what I mean I was still working really hard and the other thing is my mom is like the biggest influence in terms of keeping me, I guess I hate the word, but keeping me really humble. Like she's never let me get above my station and she's always made sure that no matter how much success I get, it's always like, that's amazing, but you still need to come home and you still need to do the dishes and like if you leave your room in a mess, like clean it. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So so, you know, like I think there are a couple of things that have really, really helped. But I think as well, like behind the scenes through that time, There was loads of stuff that was going on. I don't know whether you remember, but I was working with a company called London Muscle. Yeah. And they were really integral to my early years. And lots of stuff went on there. And I'll never, ever badmouth people, but I found it as a young, 21-year-old girl, going through all of these things and having people that want to manipulate your career in certain ways and have a piece of the pie for themselves that's quite challenging yeah. and I found that a really really difficult thing so I think the fact that that was going on behind the scenes meant that like actually it was a challenging yeah it was a challenging time I am actually incredibly in awe of the fact that I <laughs> not in awe that sounds like I'm like to blow my own trumpet but I'm amazed that I managed to keep up everything yeah. for that year because during the year of tour which I will admit was one of the toughest years of my life I wrote my first book I went through complete heartbreak and got cheated yeah. on and you know all of that kind of thing which and we know is just the worst, the worst thing. thing in the world yeah. and yes yeah, so there's so many things happened that yeah I guess I'm amazed that that I continued it, but I'm so glad that I did because coming out the other side of tour, I think that's when I really grew up and I was like, oh my God, I've had such a a year of building and learning and growing. And now this is my time to really grab this opportunity, which is in front of me in terms of what I have with the social media stuff and everything with both hands and just run with it for as long as I can. Which
2: I think is super amazing from your part because you've essentially seen a challenge obviously the positive things were going on around you but mm. you took a challenge and you took something that was quite tough to deal with mm-hmm. and you saw the positives in it mm-hmm. and I think that's a really big lesson at the moment that a lot of the conversations I'm having with people is coming up is that everything you go through happens for a reason mm-hmm. and there is a reason behind it and I guess for you how did you handle having so many people tell you what to do what to say or just pointing their opinions on you well, I also feel like With a lot of the work That I do And the girls that I get Is that They're quite scared To do what they want to do mm. Or change mm. Their career Or transform What they perhaps Who they're friends with Or just anything Because mm. they're really worried About what people Will think of them mm. it. it completely crippled me For years So how did you then Like especially now I guess even in the place That you're in How do you deal with people Saying what they want to say About you And, and overcome it And just block out And put your blinkers on
3: Yeah I think I have developed over the years a very thick skin, but I still can be reduced to tears by yeah. one comment. Yeah. I mean, like, I think it's the nature of the job. And what I've come to realize is that actually almost trying to be too thick skinned with everything in life makes me way more anxious than if I actually have a cry, tell someone how I feel, and just deal with it and move on. I'm a crier. Like, I love a cry. And it always is, I find them the most cathartic things just to like, it's really self-indulgent, I know, but literally just let it out, sob my heart out and then move on. Yeah. That <laughs> and that's amazing. my way of... You're handling feelings. Yeah, that's my way of dealing with things. So I tend to do that quite a lot. But also I think what I've realised is that I thrive of having a good support network around me. And in those early years, I didn't feel like those people in that business had my best intentions at heart. Yeah. And I felt like I had a manager, so I was with different management and I felt like they were... Appalling in terms of dealing with a girl who is literally being pushed to breaking point yeah. in terms of everything that I was being asked to do. You know, I had to deliver a 50,000-word book whilst also doing two shows a day, being yeah. exhausted beyond belief. And no one was really listening to how I was actually feeling. I remember, yeah. oh my God, one of the worst things. I was in the car driving back from I think it was Manchester and I was so exhausted and I think I'd finished the show no I didn't finish it, it was on a Sunday so we did two shows on a Saturday and then yes. it was, it was a Sunday morning and I had one day to be able to get home see my mum and dad to then go to my next destination that evening and my manager rang me and she was like why have you not delivered this word and I was like look I've spoken to my literary agent I've cleared it with her I've just said I need a little bit more time and she was like do you know the reputation that you're putting out there and oh do you know how God. people Are now gonna blacklist you and honestly, like I just think sometimes we need to have a little bit more compassion for people, and I found that hardened my skin, and yeah, no bad feelings now. With that management, you know, like we ended on good terms, and I moved on to someone who I feel really gets me and we, we work incredibly well together. But yeah, it was definitely a challenge and I've realised coming through that, that having a really good support network around me of people that aren't in the industry, you know, like my boyfriend, my mom, my friends that I was friends with at yeah. college, they are all really imperative to keeping my feet on the ground and making sure that I... Stay sane because yeah, people can be nasty. No. It happens all the time. I have some horrific comments and messages from people that you know will blame you for World War Two or yes. <laughs> things like that—not <laughs> World War Two, but you no. know, they'll blame you for for everything and anything, and it's all your fault. And so, yeah, it's about having those people that you can lean on, and you can just take a step back and be able to refine reality out of the social yeah. realms
2: and I definitely think as well for you like it, I see with you and everything I know you're obviously on a personal level when I see mm. that you really always just come back to what your message is and what you're here to do and mm. here to help people or here to make a change and yeah. I think that's what I always say to people. like If you're worried about what people are thinking about you, the only person that's getting hurt by that is you. Mm. And, like, you know, there's so much content that I now do on my Instagram that I never used to mm. because I was worried about what people would say. And now I'm like, do you know what? If I've helped one person yeah. with that message today, yeah. then I've done a good job. And I don't care how many likes it got from other people, mm. as long as one person made a life changing change, mm. that's great. And I think another thing you said there, which I do really want to focus on, is the fact that you say you're a grower and you actually go through the feelings and you, mm. and you deal with those emotions. And I think that is something that I really want people on this like when they're listening to this podcast to take away that like we've become this industry of strong not skinny that's mm-hmm. kind of what happened let's mm-hmm. be strong let's be strong let's weight train let's mm-hmm. be empowered let's be like hard women and I mm-hmm. think a, with it comes with a lot of that is that we've actually forgotten to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and we've forgotten to feel mm-hmm. and ask ourselves how we're feeling so by the sounds of it you actually sit at home and you say how am I feeling mm-hmm. you cry it all out mm-hmm. you deal with it and you let it go mm-hmm. which is I don't even think you realize but it's such a empowering message for people to take away because a lot of people I know don't even handle those emotions, yeah. don't even deal with them.
3: But I also think like I used to feel so much guilt for being sad, having crying, yeah. you know, asking for help. Because in my head I'm like, well there's always someone that's worse off than me. There's always someone that's going through worse things than me. Yeah. Like stop being such an, an idiot, you know, and I also think it's really difficult because social media allows us to see into other people's lives and and what's going on so much more than we used to. So whereas sometimes I might, you know, have a bad day, go home and have a cry and just like, let that be it. I'll go home and I'll see that, you know, someone's had an awful day or so many worse things are happening to other people. And I think, oh God, I don't deserve to be upset. Why am I upset? And you know, sometimes I don't and it is a bit self-intentioned, but also, We have every right. And I think what's important to me that I've learned is, like, my issues are within the context of everything that I've experienced in my life. So if something feels awful to me, that's because in the context of my life, it is. That doesn't mean that to the next person who's maybe going through something way worse, it'll be, you know, water for ducks back. But for me, it feels very real and very upsetting. And I allow myself to give in to those emotions and cry and get over it and move on. But I also think, like, just talking about it, because a lot of people are so scared just to be like god i'm i'm really struggling no matter how small your issue is if it feels real to yeah. you it's real mm. like there are so many things that I think to myself god if I even said that loud, people would be like how ridiculous yeah. and I'll bring Patrick and be like oh my god I'm really upset about this because she said this to someone and I didn't get included in the tweet and I'm really upset and like it is ridiculous it is but like if I held that in it would probably snowball into something yeah. so much worse than it needed to be so you know what I am gonna say it and he might laugh at me, and it might sound ridiculous, I but how, I, feel, would, yeah, yeah, but I feel better yeah. for getting it off my chest, and I yeah. feel better for even just saying it. And I think we need to stop being so scared of, like, just letting things go letting things yeah. off our chest and just talking about no matter how small the things that get to us because like I said things snowball yeah so it might have just been a little thing but then if you hold that in it'll be oh then something on top of that and they compound into feeling way worse than if you yeah. just dealt with the initial issue yeah
2: no I completely completely agree with you and I think it is something that as an industry of curls we need to learn to definitely channel our feelings a little bit more and ask ourselves I think we're all going 100 miles an hour sometimes that so mm-hmm. we never stop and say why am I doing this today or why am I working out today or why am I like, what is that And I, I guess for you like there is like tons of transformation because your next one is something a little bit about change so you obviously in this industry, this musical industry, that was your love that was your passion, that's where mm-hmm. you wanted to go and then this other kind of job came up out of nowhere and you had to make a decision at one point point. Yeah. and I, I remember really early on being like, when you were juggling them both I was like she's going to have to make it, I remember I can't remember who it was I was saying it to I think it was someone at your management that Mm -hmm. that works there I think it was our friend Ollie and I was just like she's going to have to make a decision at some point that's going to be tough Mm -hmm. like how did you make that decision because one of the biggest questions I get asked sometimes is how I made the decision to actually leave my full time career to pursue what I love and it wasn't that I loved one more than the other I actually Mm -hmm. did love my career in advertising Mm -hmm. and I guess you loved your career so
3: how did you make that change and kind of just take that risk. Mm. So it's one of two things. The first thing is that what I love about the performance industry is the performing. So I love being on stage, doing what I love, Mm -hmm. being able to sing, dance, act, dress up, like do all of that. I just thrive off it and... Nothing will beat that feeling of a round of applause at the end of like a show where you've worked your ass off, you've sweated buckets and you just feel incredible and people stand up for you and just give you the biggest clap. Yeah. Like that is amazing. But there's another side to the industry that is horrific. Mm. It's so competitive. I mean, I don't know a more competitive industry. I really, really don't. Where there are so many people vying for the same job, it's all judged of the way you look. So you could walk into an audition and just because you might be too small, too tall, you might have blonde hair, they want brunettes, just off the way you look, you won't get the job straight up and you'll already be cut and you won't even open your mouth to
0: Alright, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month and six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on US. Mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: Upfront payment of forty-five dollars equivalent to fifteen dollars per month. Unlimited over forty gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active mint customers by five thirty one twenty-four. Get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG
3: Saying you weren't even done one dumb step. So that's a challenge. And then beyond that, it's really, really, really hard because when I was going through the decision, so towards the end of my contract on the show, all the people that I was working with, and, I mean, some of the most talented people that I know were auditioning for jobs at the same time, and they were getting cut from the first round. And I'm like, how? Why? But, I mean, like, you should walk into a job. My dance partner, Mikey, God love him, was one of the most talented dancers I'd ever, ever come across. He was incredible and he was getting no's from auditions and I was like I just don't get it and for me it was like look there's a side of the industry that I love and I will always be able to perform to some extent you know even if it's just hiring a scene coach and just doing it in my living room I'll be able to do that but I don't know if I'm thick skinned enough to be able to put myself through that audition process again and to be constantly judged on the way I look because I'd come to a place where I was so happy and so confident in my body, in who I was and what I was doing. And then, you know, to be broken down like that following such a year of growth was going to be too much. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to have to knock it on the head for now, take some time out, focus on the social media stuff, which was really exciting. And, you know, my book came out towards the end of the tour. So there was all of the stuff yeah. that went along with that and I just was like, let me give this a go and see
2: how I got on with it. Which is so interesting actually because then from the sounds of it actually yours was because you've done all this growing, you've kind of grown out of that, not the industry itself, but grown out of what comes with the industry mm. and actually maybe a little bit of fear was what was holding you back in yeah. a way to like, go, do you know what, no, I'm going to stick at this mm. and I, I know how horrible that industry can be. My, mm. my whole entire family are in music and it actually, that yeah. like, I was a dancer, I physically didn't even I wanted to go to the Ritz School and I didn't mm. even apply because I'd watched my cousin mm. in Les Mis do mm. like five years of it and then mm. come off the back of it and be like, well, okay, and we out now, work, yeah. and out of work and my sister's in the songwriting industry and it's a constant battle. It's
3: honestly it's toxic. like, yeah, it really is. It's kind of
2: such a shame, but mm. I guess that for, like, leaves the door still open for you to kind of maybe go back into that with a different mindset now yeah. a different place and a different viewpoint. Absolutely. So I guess that transformation and then one of the more recent ones was the name change mm, Yeah, which I again know exactly every probably thought that would have gone through your head with the name change mm. because I did it too and it's a big risk yeah. and a lot comes with it yeah. what was it behind that change that really made you go do you know what I'm done with cleaning Alice and I want to just be Alice
3: oh lots of things Okay, so the first reason was the most obvious one. You know, like clean eating, when I first started and chose the name, and I always use the analogy of like, you know when you choose your first email address when you're yeah, in school? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> mine was sexy underscore bunny girl, yeah. which is horrific. But you know, like... Becky poser. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, right. it's one of those things, like, I liked the idea of, like, I'd heard clean eating being thrown yeah. around. And I was like, I know, I'm going to call myself clean eating Alice. Yeah. And there was no thought that went into it. There was not like, I wasn't aligning myself with, I had no idea what clean eating yeah. even was. It just, to me, was like, oh, I'm going to eat a bit healthier, so I'm going to call myself that. Mm. And then the movement of clean eating... And I guess the term cleaning became a big umbrella term for loads of different things that fell under it, which went from everything from, like, veganism to paleo to just really restrictive ways of eating. Yeah, And other restrictive ways of eating. And I didn't feel like I aligned with any of those. I still ate everything. I never cut anything out or was eating in a restrictive way. But I felt like I was being lumped together with that kind of movement and almost being blamed for a lot of things. I really, really struggled. Like, I remember, oh God, it was awful. I was away with Santa in Greece and we were on this amazing trip and suddenly this article came out in the Daily Mail and it was like, to a certain degree, just blaming myself and a few others for things like eating disorders. And yeah. and I have never felt, I remember sobbing my absolute heart out in this villa with Sana. I was just like, I'm so sorry. but And I was crying my eyes out because I felt so much guilt at the fact that people were, like, throwing that yeah. accusation at me as someone who had never, ever started this to be more than anything, than just my own like, a yeah. little blog. Yeah. And suddenly it's like, you're in the national press being blamed for all of these things. And it was like, oh my God, what have I created? Like, what have yeah. I done? And I, <laughs> I rang my best friend, Lewis, who's my best gay friend. He was like, don't be so ridiculous. Like, you know, he's my, one of my go-to people that I ring when I'm really, really feeling yeah. like shit. And, you know, I managed to pick myself back up slowly but surely. But I realised, I think at that point, that it was like, I can't keep dealing with people blaming me for that kind of stuff. and and So, yeah, that was the first reason. And then the second was just, like, I felt like my brand had evolved a lot over the time that I'd been called Clean Eating Alice to the point that I felt like it was much more personal than I ever realised it was initially going to be because at first it was just the food and it was all just pictures of food. There was none really of myself. It was all just pictures of food. So then I realised over that year that it'd become a lot more personal and I wanted to show myself more. I wanted it to be more of like a personality-led brand rather than just food. Yeah. So I went through lots of discussions with my management about whether it be a good idea. I felt quite strongly about it. Obviously, it was difficult because I published three books under the name Clean Eating Alice. Yeah. And so that was a bit of a challenge, but one that my publishers were really understanding of and so yeah then it was just all good. So it was
2: ultimately the belief in wanting to be you yeah that was just like you know what, I don't even care what comes with it absolutely and
3: like just being yourself you have total freedom over yeah, yeah. what you're doing rather than being tied down to being oh that's community She, yeah. you know it already predicts what you're going to be whereas if yeah. you're just your name there are so many different things that I feel like I can talk about and do because my brand is so much broader than yeah. just food and how has it
2: evolved what you want to talk about because I from a personal level from like being in the same and she's a colleague and a friend is watching mm. you grow I've seen probably the biggest transformation beyond your aesthetics beyond everything mm. in your most recent kind of months because yeah. I feel like your voice has changed I feel like your message that you're kind of saying to people has mm. gone way beyond just fitness mm. if anything like really quite far beyond yeah how has your voice changed or how is what you define as Wanting to help people and yeah,
3: I guess like I've grown up. I've had a lot of industry experience, like working one to one with people. You know, like I left the show and and started working as a personal trainer. So far, Uh, yeah, definitely. people, and so I started to understand, like, and empathise with more what people who were following me might be going through and might be challenged by, might Mm. be feeling. And I think that gave me loads of experience to then feed back into the content that I was putting out. But I also think like. I myself feel like I've been on such a big roller coaster of a journey pretty much from the start of when I started doing what I was doing. I've been in a relationship now for 18 months and I completely credit my boyfriend with like allowing me to just be a lot happier, be yeah. myself, have someone to voice my ideas of, to cry to, to, you know, do all of those things with. And he's really kept me sane and helped me so much over the last 18 months. But also, like, I feel like I've just, I don't know, you know, when you just rub up a little bit and you you just think, God, like, there are so many bigger things that I'd like to talk about. And I feel like I've experienced a lot in my life and some of that stuff I would never have shared two or three years ago. And I feel like now i just put to the point where I've been like, I really feel ready. Yeah. And I think it is, it's about feeling ready. And it's about knowing that opening up online isn't for everyone, but I feel like for me, and with a platform of really engaged and young women who I know that I can speak to and help, I have a responsibility to be able to use that in a way that I feel is best. And I think talking about things like mental health, talking about things like... The journey that I've been on and what I've learned along the way is what I see as my job. I yeah. think it's really important that as someone who does have a profile and a voice, I should be doing. And the fact that I have experienced certain things that I feel have given me such a good understanding of what other people might be going through means that I don't feel like I'm an authority on the subject at all not at all but I give a very personal account and I think that's what people can relate to and also like I mean, I know we were talking about this before we came onto here but just making myself more of a brand and evolving everything that I'm doing beyond just social media yeah. posts I think that's been really something that I've been thinking about doing for the last couple of months working really really closely with a charity now Women's Aid mm. who are amazing and I'm filming with them today actually I'm very excited but doing stuff for charity. Like, yeah. that to me is, like, it's really important and it, it means that I'm giving something back into an organisation that I feel are doing such amazing things. But also then, like, hiring someone. Like, yeah. that is mega. And to, yeah. I'm interviewing people at the moment, which is really weird yeah. and really scary, but we're kind of exciting at the same time and means that, like, things are just growing beyond just a social media page. And I'm yeah. really excited for what that's going to bring.
2: And how do you find that... I mean it is amazing that you have taken that like shift and that change to be like you know what this is what I want to do with my life how hard is it when you're someone with such a huge voice like I found it hard enough and I have a very small voice in in the industry compared to yours but like I found it hard enough changing my message a bit without Mm. worrying that I would lose out on that or worrying Mm. that I would lose out on this or that these people would be like do you even know who you are and I think it's really important because this whole podcast is for I think as women we go through a bit of a growing up change and all of a sudden everything that was important to us five years ago Mm. is now no longer
3: important to us it's quite hard to like absolutely overcome that yeah definitely and I feel like I probably lost people along the way who were like hey I thought you were into like food and fitness why are you talking about mental health why are you talking about that and that's fine and like I'm sure my audience who have grown up with me and have been there from you know the early days some of them might not necessarily relate to my message anymore and that's absolutely fine I'm totally aware of the fact that like people grow and change and their interests differ as they get older so you know that's absolutely fine in terms of like worrying about my message I think underlying everything that I've always done with my social media and with my business and everything it's been that. Authenticity is at the key and at the heart of everything that I do. My business is myself, me, and therefore I have to remain as true to myself with my message, with my brand, with everything as I can possibly do. So if that means that I start talking about things that at the moment are interesting to me and I feel like are worth chatting about, I'm going to. Because that's authentic to where I am at that time and in that place. And I hate how social media has become a numbers game because things might not get as good engagement, or, you know, it might not be that something does as well as the next post, or, you know, my fitness videos are doing great, but it might just be that another post where I talk about something slightly different, it doesn't do as well. That's fine, but, like, ultimately, my overarching message is one of, this is me, this is my life, this is what I'm going through, and you can either come along for the ride or you can just step in and out yeah. to the stuff that you really want to listen to but I know underlying that that my core message is as authentic as it can possibly yeah. be so which that's that's what I just try and do and that's my kind of life lesson yeah. I guess with that
2: which is an element of sitting down and having to ask yourself right what makes me happy what am I interested in and mm. I think I think a, a big thing going on in the industry at the moment is people are, yes, obsessed with numbers, but I guess for someone that maybe isn't in social media or numbers aren't a thing, they're obsessed with what they have, the things that they do, their achievements. Mm. Like Our egos are so ingrained to feel like we are what we have or mm. what we do or what people think of us. And quite often, we don't really ever ask ourselves what do I want and what really makes me happy or like you know four years ago I went to the gym because I went for this reason and I probably hadn't asked myself for four years why mm. I was going anymore and mm. as you get older it becomes more about feeling good and getting your body ready for it like it's crazy yeah, the changes that yeah. you go through absolutely but it is it's so interesting to kind of hear and one of the things I read that you wrote and I really really loved it was that you were like maybe the journey isn't about becoming anything maybe it's about undoing everything to be mm. who you want to be how have you had to change what you believe in like mm. is that something you feel really sits with you, that actually you're undoing all the things that you thought you believed in. Yeah,
3: I mean, I think part of everything that I've been doing on social media in the last couple of months has been, like, having to relearn everything that I thought and showing people that I made mistakes. I think people think that just because I've got massive numbers and that I've gone in this massive journey with everything that I somehow did everything right but actually I made so many mistakes along the way and I'm totally cool with admitting that and I think that's really really important for people to know is that for everything that seems like it's going right there are 10 other things that went wrong and there are loads of things that didn't happen there are loads of brand partnerships that didn't work out there are loads of friendships that yeah. like have come and gone and people that have supported me and not supported me and I think that's all part of growing up isn't it that you I think I had an idea of how I wanted my life to plan out and yeah. I had an idea of how I wanted everything and also like and this is the worst thing about social media is like we always want your best bits like we always want to show like this is where I've been this yeah. is what I've got this is what I'm doing but actually like I think I started to realise that there wasn't much in that. I just didn't find it as fulfilling as talking about stuff that I really care about. So, but also, I'm really, really bad at blogging. Like, I'm actually the worst blogger going. (laughs) I am really bad. I actually really don't like having to pose for photos and stuff I find it so cringy and even when I was in Jamaica just now like poor Paddy was like I "I need to get a photo I'm really sorry we'll do it really quickly can you just take 10 and then we're done but um I don't enjoy necessarily as much that side of things you know it's something that I do for my job yes and you know if I'm working with brands and stuff I have to get content that's going to work for them but the parts of my job that I love the most is like putting on an event and being able to chat people mm. afterwards and get pictures with people and do all of that kind of thing where I'm meeting people face to face or you know like this sounds really really bad because it's such a small portion of everything I do but like my PT when I'm with my clients that's some of the most fulfilling yeah. hours of my day yeah. like even if it's two Incredible. people in the morning yeah. I literally love it I love my job and I think that's another thing that just keeps me completely sane I'm talking about social media and
2: Obviously, it is a big part, but what are your thoughts? Because you said you don't really share your transformation photos anymore. Yeah. And the, the transformation is probably the biggest trend going on in, in the Instagram world. I And know. I, I kind of feel a little bit like everyone's had a transformation and everyone's grown and everyone's changed. Mm. But what are your thoughts on the trend and, like, people's... What it means? Like, I don't know. Like, what is the reason why maybe why you don't share yours anymore?
3: I guess the reason why I don't share mine anymore is because I became known for just being that. I became known for literally taking my body from A to B. And I felt like over the last four years, I have become so much more than that. Because, and it's funny, like sometimes when I do things like podcasts or events and stuff, I'm like, so what do you want us to say about you? And I say, well, I'm a personal trainer. That's my job. I'm a best-selling author. I also am an influencer along with that. But that's sort of like the third thing that I say. I will never, ever forget the fact that my transformation is probably why I'm here today. Yeah. And I'm very, very grateful for, you know, that. And I think they are really powerful. And when you look at them, they're great. But now I feel like I've come past that and I want to be known for so much more than that. You know, I have... sounds really big-headed, but, like, I've got a brain. I've got things that I think... I've educated myself a hell of a lot in terms of fitness and my s and and, like, personal training. Like, I feel like I know a lot and I've got a lot that I want to share. And also, like, I've got, like, stuff that I want to say that just is more than just a transformation photo and ultimately it's that I want to be known for more than that I don't want people just to think of me as the girl that you know got a six pack it's like I want to be more than just a Daily Mail headline. <laughs> yeah, and I, think, I think for me,
2: the biggest message in all of this to people listening at home is that there is so much more to you, to anyone, to all of you listening than what you look like. Yeah. Or what your transformation of your body might look like. Absolutely. And all of those years of chasing that change in your body, without chasing that change, what's really clearly happened to you is your mindset has changed. Exactly. You've grown a lot. That was just about
3: something yeah. like, I was about to say. Like, I wish. Three years ago, I could take back the photo and instead have one of showing me exactly as I look now, yeah. and just saying like this is where I feel like as a person I've come to, and I've changed my mind, and that's way more powerful than yeah. changing your body. And look, like hold my hands up and say like that was the worst mistake I did was base my worth off the way that I looked yeah. and let people to judge me on the way that I looked when I felt and at the time it was. Great. But now I'm just like, I feel like I'm so much more than that. And I don't just want to be judged off, you know, my physical attributes.
2: I think that's why people are craving podcasts and they're craving more because they're not getting what they want now mm-hmm. of going to the gym for that one whole thing. And that's my biggest message at the moment. I think some people are trying to think that I might be saying like, don't work out or work out less or calm yeah, down. Yeah. It's not that. I'm just saying until you are happy in your own mindset and in your own headspace, you will never ever get the results you're craving for in the gym. You know, you were in your best shape of your life and you were not the happiest. You, you know, you weren't in the place where you wanted to be. Yeah. I was in the best shape of my life four years ago and I was so unhappy, but like
3: I was. I I- hate to- and rainbow. I say that to my clients. I'm like, there is no magic pot of gold at the end of the rainbow yeah. or at the end of like reaching 10 stone say. Yeah. There's it never no is. sort of, yeah, there's no sort of um suddenly you get to that weight and you're like, yep, I'm happy, yeah. tick the box, that's it, life made, yeah. amazing. Let me just stroll off and live happily ever after. It doesn't happen like that. And also, like, we should never base our worth off the way that we look. Like, if you had to write down on paper, pros and cons of what you love about yourself and what you don't love about yourself i can't tell you how many of my clients yeah. write down physical, physical things. things they write down i don't like my legs i don't like my bum i quite like my eyes i sometimes think that i you know i like yeah. my arms but only sometimes all physical. i don't like my you know like, everything will be physical and i say well okay well try about back for a second like what have you achieved in the last five years work-wise with your family, you'd be like, okay, well, I'm a good mom. I've got three kids. Like, they're all really happy. Okay, perfect. I work really hard. I'm really motivated. Like, there are so many positive qualities that you could actually find yeah. about yourself that you like if we remove that sense yeah. of just basing how we are worth off the way that we yeah. look. No. And we think other people do as well. That's the other thing. Is yeah. It's not just in ourselves. Like, I have clients who are in really powerful, high, successful jobs and they genuinely base their worth and their ability to do their job off the way that they look. Like, I had... I can't name many names, but, like, one client who was going over to America for a big, big, big meeting and she was so concerned about the way that she would look when she went to that meeting and it was like I honestly don't think anyone in that room is going to base your worth yeah. in your job off the way that you look. Yeah. They're going to want you to go over there and smash out an amazing presentation and they couldn't care whether you were big, yeah. small, tall, whatever. It's just, can you deliver on yeah. your job? Which you absolutely can. Yeah.
2: And, and we've I- just got to drop worrying about what people think of us mm. and start worrying about what we think of us. Mm. It's really the only yeah. the only thing that matters and I think that's absolutely amazing and I guess thank you so much. I guess what I was trying to get at with this whole thing is that transfer has been one of the biggest parts of your journey from start to literally right now you've gone through so many of them yet the aesthetic one might have been what kind of catapulted your career but really is like the most minimal thing that you see as part of your career or who you mm. are and i guess i was like i know this is going to go somewhere but i guess it's kind of gone exactly where i wanted it to go that we're not just what we look like no. and there's so much more to us and growth and change are okay it's okay to also change what you and really
3: I, like. and I think it's important like I'm not here suddenly and I've arrived and I'm like this is where I'm going to stick yeah. for the next 20 years like You're I want to keep more. evolving yeah. that's what life is about it's about learning new things experiencing new things and constantly evolving as a result of that yeah. rather than just trying to reach perfection yeah. and never really quite making it
2: well that was actually one of the things that I was going to ask you is and I guess we'll finish on that is like knowing that there is no such thing as perfect and it's okay to not be perfect right isn't it, isn't yeah. it the
3: most liberating thing know, yeah. that like yeah, there is no such, such thing as perfection. Yeah. Um, unless someone's doing a deadlift, in which I might say. Okay, form They can do that yeah. quite well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. but no. You're I, know, so not. I know what you mean. Like, there is no such thing as perfection. And I have so many amazing friends that are in this industry. And what I've learned ultimately is that we go about doing this job in so many different ways. Yeah. And all of us are successful in our own rights, but we're all doing it yeah. in a completely different way. And that's okay. The less you start worrying about what everyone else is doing around you and instead carve your own. Path the better, yeah.
2: No, I think one of my contributors she has a community of mums, and she really hit home with me when she said, When your child comes to you and is upset because she's not perfect, you will completely teach her that she is imperfect, like she is perfectly imperfect, and mm. you will teach her it's okay to not be perfect. Why don't we do that to ourselves? And yeah. it really stuck with me that yeah. that's how we, we would treat our children or our friends, mm. so we should treat ourselves. Mm. So, thank you so much. And I my guess, pleasure. what else, anything exciting coming from you this year, or what can we <laughs> expect? Of stuff. Loads I mean, of digital changing things. I know. Just got your app.
3: That's why your twelve week yeah. transform. App. Transform with, uh, with women's <laughs> health. Women's so that, health. that came out yeah. a couple months ago. There's lots of stuff coming up. There's a lot of stuff that's like more businessy. So it's a case of like having to get investment and like do all really serious things it's that exciting. are like quite scary. I've got like some really big meetings coming up. So yeah, it's all really exciting. All really good stuff. And I'm looking forward to the year ahead. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank
2: it's you. A pleasure. And guys, you can check out all the show notes on the website and all Alice's details will be below in the app itself so yeah thank you so much see you Thanks. later you have been listening to the alternatively healthy wellness podcast series by Becky Raven. thank you so much for tuning in today please feel free to leave your comments and feedback below and don't forget to give us a lovely little rating for more information on our podcasts other episodes and to find out more about what we do please visit www.alternativelyhealthy.co.uk and remember Shaping the healthiest version of you
1: means looking purely at you. Hey,
2: it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part?